In today's show, I'm going to look back at a huge trade. DeJounte Murray going to the Atlanta Hawks as well as a 2022 free agency preview. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Locked On Fantasy Basketball is partnering with Arcade One Up to give away three free NBA Jam Shack machines. That's right. It's three of them. Three, these are the guys that are known for making the incredible retro three-quarter scale at-home arcade games like Pac-Man, Golden Tee, and many more. I don't know what Golden Tee is. Enter to win on arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade1up.com slash locked on for your chance to win one. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. In 24 hours, NBA Free Agency will officially start. NBA Free Agency has, of course, officially started with teams making deals and discussions and all that sort of stuff. We're going to talk about three trades that have gone down in the last 24 hours and talk about, I don't know how many it is, maybe the top 50 to 60 free agents and their situations. I guess that's what we'll do in today's show. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the big trade. DeJounte Murray gone to the Atlanta Hawks. We just kept hearing and hearing and hearing about this. This was going to be the case and it's happened. He has gone to Atlanta in exchange for the Italian cock. Hands off my cock! Daniel Gallinari and three first-round picks. One of those picks is a Hornets first-round pick, which is top 16 protected. Then I think it turns into two seconds, so it might not be that good. And then the other two are two unprotected Atlanta picks, which if the Hawks, I assume, they think they're going to be good, so they probably won't be top 15 or lottery picks. But you never know. All right, so that's the return of DeJounte Murray. Now, I've seen a lot of comments about this. We'll talk about the fantasy aspect of it and the real-life aspect of it as well. Does it make the Hawks better? Undoubtedly so. DeJounte next to Trey Young, really good defensive guy. Um, I think it's I think it's really good. Yeah, losing Gallinari, who was a backup for them. Yes, you mortgage a little bit of the future. That's fine. I think there's still more moves to go, whether that's John Collins, whether that's Bogdanovich, whether that's Herder, whether it's Capella, I don't know. But the Hawks are a really interesting team. Now you would expect Murray and Young to start together. So that pushes Herder way down the pecking order. Bogdanovich stays in a sixth man role. You would think Hunter at the three, but Hunter could end up at the four. Bogdanovich at the three because Collins ends up leaving. There's a lot that can still happen here. And their depth at the four now is, it's pretty skinny. Unless, maybe they are, expecting Jalen Johnson to take a big step up. Now as for, again, I don't know this because I haven't done my projections yet. But I think if you are out here and you have DeJounte Murray in a dynasty league, and you are expecting him to do the same thing that he did last season, you are going to be significantly disappointed. Murray was an all-star, an injury replacement all-star, shout out D'Angelo Russell, um, but an all-star. He averaged 21, 8, and 9. He was the 11th ranked player in fantasy, and people loved him. He averaged two steals. He shot 50, 46 from the field, 79 from the line. They are all really good numbers. 
But let me get this straight and don't get me wrong. He was really, really good. and He's on a very good contract and the price is probably a little much for the Hawks, but I get them going in for it. DeJounte Murray is not the sort of player that comes in and goes, all right, boys, DeJounte is here. I'm going to do exactly the same thing that I did on a Spurs team where I was the number one guy. I just do not see how that happens. Last season, in 2020-2021, when he played alongside Derek White for a full season, but more importantly, alongside uh, DeMar DeRozan, he averaged 15-7-5 in 32 minutes and still shot the same efficiency. Well, actually a little bit more efficient because he shot better from three. He went from 32% to 33%. Shot a little bit better from two. So he improved his efficiency somewhat. But usage went from 23.5 to 28. I would expect, and I don't know that he'll be 15-7-5, but I would expect closer to 15-7-5 than 21-8-9 in Atlanta. That second round DeJounte Murray, first round DeJounte Murray, I think absolutely forget it. I don't think there's any way that that happens. 28 usage next to Trey and Collins and Hunter and Bogdanovich and all those guys. I just don't see how it happens. The nine assists next to Trey Young, I don't see how it happens. Is DeJounte Murray going to be one of those guys? And I've talked about this a lot. Hey, when they go to a better team and they've got better teammates, surely their efficiency goes up. It just doesn't really tend to happen that way. It just, we think it will, but it doesn't, in most cases, it doesn't happen. And DeJounte Murray is not a good shooter. He's not a spot-up threat. He's going to need to do his damage with the ball in his hands and inside the arc. And he's just not, I don't think, going to have those same opportunities. So while it's a great pickup for the Hawks, it improves their team. The future, we'll worry about that later. But it improves their team. I don't think there is any, any shot, and I can't be 100% on this, but I don't think there is any shot that DeJounte gets to 21-8-9 with two steals. I don't think there is any way. Best case, off the top of my head, I don't know because I haven't projected it. Let's say 17, 7, and 5. Well, I would guess 18, 7, and 5. Maybe 20 points. Maybe. Doubt it. But it was a unique situation for him in San Antonio where he became the man. He took big improvements. He probably wasn't as good as um, fantasy numbers would suggest that he was. And now he moves back into a role which suits him more. As for the Spurs, why did they get rid of him? A, the time to get rid of him and cash in and tank for Victor Wembanyama is right now. He's on a great contract. He's got two years left. He's not the player that takes you to a conference final, I don't think. And if he's your best player, you're actually going nowhere. That's how I view it. And the Spurs go, we don't want to be the Washington Wizards. We don't want to be the New York Knicks or the Sacramento Kings, pushing and fighting and poking and prodding around the plane. DeJounte is great, but he doesn't push us further. So let's get rid of him. Let's be bad. Let's get assets in. They've got a bunch of first-round picks coming, a Bulls pick, these three Hawks picks. They've got a bunch of picks coming. Let's be bad. Let's develop Vassell, Primo, Branham, Wesley. They're probably going to trade Pirtle. They might trade Keldon Johnson. I don't know. Let's be bad. Two years and push back up and cash in while there's still plenty of value on DeJounte. That's how I see that. I don't expect Gallinari to play for the Spurs, personally. He might, but, he, but again, I don't know. Over the next three weeks or so, four weeks, I'm going to really dig into all the projections and see how it all works out. But my immediate thought on this is DeJounte's numbers will drop. But who the hell is the point guard in San Antonio? As we're going to see soon, the point guard market is rough for free agents. So at this point, it's Trey Jones. And Trey Jones is a really good player. Sorry, got really good potential to be a good player. If he's a 30-minute-a-night guy, 
He's a definite fantasy guy. He's a top 100 player, maybe top 75. It obviously helps everyone else. Vassal, big boost. Calden Johnson, usage goes up. Even with his lack of defensive stats, usage goes up. Um, no, this does not mean it's Lonnie Walker time, as multiple people told me on Twitter. It does not mean that at all. It means that it's Josh Primo time. It's Devin Vassell time. It might be Malachi Brandon, but probably not. It's Trey Jones time. And we'll see what else happens. There's still a lot of moves to go on though. So that's that trade done. What'd you think of it? Drop it in the comments if you are here on YouTube. Did the Spurs, are you going, what are the Spurs doing? Are you thinking, wow, the Hawks, he's going to keep the same numbers? Do you think it's too much for the Hawks to pay? What do you think? Please, please drop it down below in the comments of the video, or you can, of course, tweet it at me. But I'm going to tell you now about Arcade 1-Up. Boom shagalaga! We all know that catchphrase from NBA Jam. Would have played the game, would have seen our balls on fire. That's what she said. And we would have seen no fouls and no timeouts and no free throws. Just crazy, crazy plays. That's what NBA Jam is about. People are obsessed with NBA Jam, rightfully so. It's really bloody fun. We all remember our favorite combos, Porter and Drexler, Jordan and Pippen, Shaq and Penny, Yuzelino and Ron Harper, or Derek Harper, maybe. Yeah, Derek Harper, I think it was. And right now, it's back in arcade form. It's one of the first sports games ever, NBA Jam, to feature real and digitized NBA licensed team. And right now, at arcade1up.com, that's arcade, the number one, up.com, you can pre-order it. Early September ship date. Arcade1up is the place for all of your classic arcade games. They're giving away a free NBA Jam Shack edition as well to a Locked On listener. So enter for a chance to win your game console for your games room at arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one, up.com slash locked on. You've got till July 8th to enter to win an NBA Jam Shack edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. Who are you going to play with? Next trade that went down um, was yesterday. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was this morning, actually. Yeah, he got off quick, all right? Will Barton has gone from Denver to Washington along with Monty Morris. And I can't help but think that this is Denver and the multi, 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 multi-billion dollar ownership group of Stan Kroenke cheaping out and not wanting to pay the luxury tax. I don't particularly like Will Barton. He frustrates me immensely. One of the more frustrating players, non-Dylan Brooks division in the entire NBA to me. But trading away Monty Morris as well, who honestly was your starting point guard all season, yes, he wouldn't be this year because Jamal Murray's there, the headmaster's returning, and they've got the big stiffy Bones Highland working together, and Morris was going to be in a reduced role. And as I said yesterday, Barton's role was going to be reduced. They're out on Barton. All of their moves said they are out on Barton. It took 24 hours for that to be actually you know, finalized and him to be sent off. But it's a cheap move, I think. KCP, I think he fits really well. That's a trade, actually. Will Barton, Monty Morris... Book in Tavius, Caldwell Pope, and Ishmael Smith. Ish Smith going for his 13th NBA team. KCP really fits well. A guy who can guard on the wing, who doesn't think he runs the offense, shout out Will Barton, who can come out and defend guys and be there, whether that is you know, probably Murray, Caldwell Pope, Gordon Porter, Jokic, with Highland off the bench would be my guess. And I think that fits really well. Does it mean KCP has fantasy value? Absolutely not. Monty Morris, though, yeah, but remember, remember this. We saw Monty Morris in a 30-plus minute starting role this season. How excited did we get? What's his upside? It's, it's low. 
And it's not like going to Washington that he's going, yes, he's going to be the starting point guard. But is he going to be the highest usage guy? No. Is he going to be the second highest usage guy? Probably not. Is he going to be the third highest usage guy? Almost definitely not. Because there's Beal, there's Porzingis, and there's Kuzma. And there might be Hachimura. So this start, it locks him in with the starting role, but he locked in with the starting role last season and nobody got excited about it, rightfully so. And I think, honestly, the role's almost the same, if not, if not worse, for Monty Morris. As for Barton, does he does he start? Maybe. In KCP slot at the three? Reg- regardless, I don't think I would want to be interested in him for fantasy either, as he is on the de- decline and has efficiency issues and injury issues, and there's just a lot of guys there. Kispert, Avdia, who'll also take some of those minutes at the three. Um, and of course, where the hell are you going to fit John Davis into that? Um, old Cobra Kai himself, where are you going to fit him into that Wizards rotation? So congratulations to the Nuggets for cheaping out again. Um, although the KCP is a good acquisition, losing Monty Morris is pretty stupid. The other trade that went down is the Detroit Pistons and the New York Knicks. I can't tell you about this trade too much because I don't know what's happened. What I do know is the Knicks have sent Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, two second round picks and cash to Detroit in exchange for, I don't know. They haven't told us what they're sending back. I guess it's the rights to somebody who will never play or a conditional top you know, 59 second round pick or nothing really. The Knicks dumping salary, that's six second round picks, multiple first round picks, I think, or maybe it's just one first-round pick. Um, three players to clear space for Jalen Brunson. And then, 10 minutes before I went and recorded here, Chris Haynes said that Jalen Brunson's going to be taking meetings with the Miami Heat. And if Jalen Brunson does not go to the New York Knicks, I will laugh. I will laugh. People love, oh, the Knicks, man. They're, yeah, they're making this play. I'll talk about that in a second. They All these guys that they've dumped are all guys they signed last offseason, which was, oh, don't worry, they're great contracts. We'll be able to to just trade them away and get assets. You actually had to give up significant assets, six second-round picks to get off these guys that you signed last offseason, one offseason ago, so you can overpay Jalen Brunson and get mired in mediocrity. Talk about Brunson in a second. As for Noel and Burks, Troy Weaver apparently wants to keep them around. Now, Weaver does these things where I go, wow, that's great, man. Getting Jalen Duran for nothing is a fantastic move. And then I see, well, you want to insert Nerlens Noel into a three-center rotation along with Isaiah Stewart and Jalen Duran. Oh, and there's Kelly Linick there as well. And you want to bring Marvin Bagley back for over $10 million a year. I go, what are you doing? Like, do you, what are you doing? He is accumulating centers and guards when the league is run by wings. Again, I don't think, none of that makes sense to me. Oh, Alec Burks and Corey Joseph and Killian Hayes and Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham. Yet for your threes, you've got, Sadiq Bay, and for your fours, you've got nobody. So I don't know, this roster is just horrendously imbalanced. And while Weaver does some good things, he does some mind-blowingly terrible things as well, like signing Mason Plumley and then having to pay assets to get rid of him one year later, bringing in a million centers. It doesn't make sense. So is it possible that both these sides lost this trade? Maybe. I'd say the Knicks probably lost more of it, but I don't know. There's still a lot of water to go under bridge, but this is something that happened. But Noel can come in. He's not going to be a draftable guy, and I don't think Burks is either. But it further, we talked yesterday about how Isaiah Stewart and Killian Hayes got their value killed. They get killed even more after this trade because they can bring in guys at the same position. Could Burks start at the three? Maybe. But he's a, he's a two, really. He's not really a three. So another weird move 
that I still don't understand from both sides. Like, you bring those guys, and I know they're expiring, and you've got them there for one year, but the Pistons absorbed, they had $40 million in cap space. They, it's all gone. Well, it's not gone. Half it's gone. They can't offer a max sheet to Aiton or to Miles Bridges and bring those guys in. They will have $60 million in cap space next offseason, but they got none. They don't have that ability this season now because they did it and got Noel and Burks, who they want to use for some reason, and just took two seconds back for it. Again, I don't fully get it. It's better than what the Knicks are doing, I think, but I still don't really get it. Yes, they do expire because they've got team options and they won't be there past this season. But you evaporated all that cap space for not that much. Not $6 million. I'm sure Tom Gores loves that. But that's really about it, isn't it? Let's talk free agency, I think. Yeah, let's go to free agency now. Talk about that. Um, one thing you'll notice when we talk free agency here is that I talk a lot around building teams and value in the league and in fantasy even as well. And I rail against Yahoo's default having two centers as your standard lineup, which again, do not have it in your league. I beg you, do not do it. You ca- it is really, really, you, you'll notice here the positions that you, the, the value of players are limited. Point guard, there's not many guys. Forwards, there's not many guys. Where there are plenty of players available, center. It is imminently replaceable. And the other one where there's a lot of guys around is at the two. Not the most high value position because the three, the four, and the one are the three most valuable positions in the NBA really clearly. And a switchable three, four, a guy that can move between both positions is massive. And you'll see the, sh- the free agency value in those positions is tiny. There's nothing there. Let's look at the point guards, Jalen Brunson. It appeared yesterday, four years, $110 million going to the Knicks. Jalen Brunson's good. And I don't think the Knicks should have made all of these moves, trading out of the lottery, trading multiple six second round picks, clearing space to overpay him is the right move. It gets them nowhere. As for, and I had an argument, discussion with someone um, yesterday about this. And man, this is great. It's great. It's fantasy goal for Brunson. Is it actually, actually? He's the third offensive option behind Barrett and Randall. So while he goes to be the starting point guard, he is the third option. Now, more stuff could happen, and Randall could move, and Barrett's not moving, but stuff can happen. Now, as for the Mavericks, the only team that should have paid him that money was them because they can't replace him. So should they have matched $27 million a year? Yes, they should have. Is he worth it? Absolutely not. But they should have matched it, and now they are screwed. If he goes to Miami, I will laugh so hard. I will um, I will just die laughing. As for Brunson, get the extra money. It's a way worse situation going to New York, but you get to play for your two dads in Rick Brunson and Tom Thibodeau, and you get to get the extra money, and you get to live in New York. All of that is, is great. I get it. But from a basketball perspective, it's worse. But it looks like he is going to... New York, and again, I don't know because I haven't projected it. I, I wouldn't expect Brunson's numbers to be gigantically higher than what they were last season. After Brunson, there's not much. There's Tyus Jones, who's a good point guard. Probably ends up as a backup somewhere. Would have been great, I think, for the Wizards. I think he's better than Monty Morris. Could he go to San Antonio and play with his brother as their starting point guard? Maybe. He could be a fantasy guy. just depends where he goes. Um, John Wall, it looks like he's going to the Clippers. 
Would he beat out Reggie Jackson? I'm not sure, but I know that he would impact Reggie Jackson. And both of those guys would be fringe 12-team league players. John Wall is still solid. He's not John Wall from the past. He's not great. He's not excellent. He's not an all-star. But he's still, I thought when we last saw him in Houston, he was still pretty solid. Good passer. And I think he'll be really good for the Clippers. But will he become a draftable guy? I don't know. Paddy Mills, unbelievably to me, declined a six-point-something million-dollar player option. He must have another deal somewhere because he his play last season, I love Paddy, it was not worth that money. He was nowhere near worth that money. He was not very good at all. I don't know if he's coming back to Brooklyn or going somewhere else, but I'd love to see what contract he gets. You don't want him to be a starter. Rick Rubio, he would have been way up this list to me as probably the number two point guard behind Brunson, but the age and torn ACL is a real worry. Um... Cleveland should get him back. Obviously, getting Rajon Rondo into that position was not the solution. Shock. Rajon Rondo does not solve team's point guard need for 10th consecutive season. Um, Rubio, I'm not even going to put Rondo on this list as available free agent because he's not good. Rubio should get a job somewhere, but probably won't be fantasy relevant, even though he was in Cleveland last year. Dillon Wright is a really interesting player who... When given the opportunity to start, puts up solid numbers, but won't get that chance. Dennis Schroeder is an interesting player in that people are interested in him being good, and he isn't. I don't know where he goes, but he won't be fantasy relevant. And then Aaron Holiday got the qualifying offer declined by Phoenix, so he becomes an unrestricted free agent. I don't know why they would decline that qualifying offer. The Suns, from what I can gather, maybe I'm wrong, had no draft picks. I know I'm not wrong on that. They definitely had no draft picks, but they haven't signed any undrafted free agents or any two-way guys. They've done nothing at all. And this has been a constant theme for James Jones over the last couple of years. You look at every team. Oh, we've got 20 men on the roster. We've got 22 here. We've got this, the Suns. We've got 12. <laughs> what? And then they like bring in like two guys right at the end. And it's again the same thing. No undrafted free agents. I don't know who's on their summer league team. And now they're just declining the free agency or the restricted rights of Aaron Holland. Not that he'd get a big deal. He'd probably accept that qualifying offer. Um... But they did bring him in. Hopefully, he could do something. And evidently, they think that he didn't do any of those things that they hoped that he would do. But I'm going to tell you about Sakara because Sakara does the thing that it says it does. And that is provide nutritional food that tastes really, really good. Your best, it starts with what you eat. And we all know this. If you eat something terrible, which is not Sakara, if you eat something terrible, you feel terrible. If you eat something good and healthy and fresh and light and nutritional, it changes your whole outlook on the day. And that's what Sakara is here for. It is time to seek wellness and joy and abundance in all areas of your life. And that starts with what you eat. With Sakara, you get nutrient-dense meals, snacks, and supplements that nourish your body without ever sacrificing taste or quality. True radiance starts on your plate. Wow, they are big claims. Made with high-quality organic ingredients, Sakara's plant-rich transformational nutritional programs are expertly designed to deliver, to deliver real results. Sakara is a wellness company that is anchored in food in med- or as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Sakara gives you the tools to transform your life with their organic ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter the code locked on 20 at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash locked on 20. Shooting guards, a bit better options here. Um, James Harden is opting out, but he will be back in Philadelphia on a contract that is nowhere near his max. He is actually, it appears, sacrificing so they can bring other players in to win a title. 
Now, he would not be worth the $47 million player option that he was going to get this season because his play has declined. It's looking like he might get like 35 a year for like two or three years. Maybe the Chris Paul three-year $100 million deal. That could be what he does. But it enables them to help with getting in someone like PJ Tucker, which it appears like he will be coming over to uh, Philadelphia. Um, so he's gone. Bradley Beal opting out, but it looks like he'll return on a five-year $250 million deal. I think 240, maybe 248, whatever it is. Whatever it is, it's too much to the Washington Wizards. They should have traded him two years ago. They are not going anywhere with Bradley Beal earning $50 million a year. Bradley Beal is solid. He was actually terrible last season with a wrist injury and even before the wrist injury. He's solid. Under no circumstances, he's worth $50 million in five years' time. He just isn't. So congratulations, the Wizards. Well done for picking between pick eight and pick 11 for the next five years. Beal's numbers should bounce back from where they were last season, but he's only 27, 28, so there might be some improvement, but it's not going to be a good deal. Zach Levine, there was some posturing that maybe he's going to move teams. It doesn't appear like at this point, and he'll likely be back in Chicago on a true max. And of course, when you've got billions of dollars like the Reinsdorfs, Paying someone a max contract surely means that that means you can start to go into the tax and start building something. But oh no, oh no, I don't think they will because they are, of course, terrible owners. So Levine will get a max and the Bulls will be worse. That is what will happen. Not because Levine's getting the max, but because of him getting the max means they won't spend in other areas and they will look trash once again. That is the future of the Chicago Bulls. Congratulations to them. Um... I hope this is the right soundbite. Nice, Gary! It is. Gary Harris is an unrestricted free agent. You can get Gary Harris three years, 30 million, three years, 38 million, something like that. He's good. Enough for that. Solid shooter, good defender. Doesn't need the ball. Would have been great in that Contavious Caldwell Pope role that in Denver now. Um, I think he's going to get some pretty decent offers because there's not many players in that mold. And after you go past Gary Harris... You're going for Avery Bradley. And I know NBA teams, the bad ones, seem to think Avery Bradley is good. They are wrong. They are very wrong. They are incredibly wrong. So Gary Harris should be the guy you go for. Colin Sexton's restricted. I wonder where he goes. Um, one of those players who, when the Cavs were bad, big numbers, good efficiency. Don't know what else he could do. Now the Cavs are good. And we saw that even before he got hurt, that his role was marginalized. That... I don't think that him putting up big numbers is the driver of a good team. Can he be a solid role player? Maybe, but I'm not sure. I think if he wants $20 million a year, it'll be probably too much. Gary Payton, unrestricted free agent. The reports are the Warriors will bring him back at close to the mid-level, which is like eight or nine a year, which is a lot. He is 29 and he's a really, really good defender, but is that that precludes them from probably bringing back Otto Porter. But... Yeah, they'll just expect Kaminga to step into that role. Avery Bradley's a free agent. Please, nobody sign him and put him into a rotation role. Frank Jackson's also a free agent. The Pistons declined their team option. He's one of those guys that convinces people that he's good because he takes hard shots. He's not good. He shouldn't be signed either. On the next page of shooting guards that I've got here, there's a few more interesting options. I've got three pages of shooting guards here. The um, the Shark, Bruce Brown. Baby Shark, Remember, he signed the qualifying offer for the Nets last season, so he's unrestricted. They should bring him back, and they should pay him in excess of $10 million. He's that valuable. Like Gary Harris, that's the sort of player you need to have around. I hope he gets that money. 
Lonnie Walker, the Spurs did throw out the qualifying offer. I do not expect him to be back. I do not think Lonnie Walker is very good. And there is Primo, Vassell, Branham, Wesley, all those guys in front of him. Yes, DeJounte Murray is gone, so there's a big usage gap. But I can assure you that Lonnie Walker cannot fill that role. Lonnie Walker cannot be a point guard. He just can't be. So I think he'll have an opportunity somewhere. But his best role is a 20-minute-a-night shooting guard off the bench, I think. Dante DiVincenzo, the Kings. You know what? I would never give franchises like the Kings or the Knicks, and I'm sure there's someone else in that mix that I'm forgetting off the top of my head, the benefit of the doubt with anything they do until it's, it's got to be proven multiple times. They traded this guy. They claimed they wanted him. And then all the rumblings from DiVincenzo was, hey, why are you guys not starting me? You are not starting me so you can reduce my qualifying offer number. Please start me. I am better for your future than Justin Holiday. And they went, yeah, but nah. And they'll just start at Justin Holiday. And they got DiVincenzo so angry that he's just, I'm not coming back. I am just not playing for this team. This is you are you guys are manipulating the system here. You claim you want me, but you won't play me. And I railed about this last season. Why are they not playing this guy minutes? And now they've just said, well, even though we traded for you, we're not actually going to give you that qualifying offer, so you're unrestricted. So they just lose it for nothing. Another Kings screw-up. Oh, but Monty's different. Is he, though? Is he? I've yet to see that evidence, personally. Am I being harsh? Probably. But again, prove me wrong. Anthony Simons, looks like he'll get 20 million plus, and I think that'll be a good deal. I think he'll work into that. His numbers, I think, will be significantly lower this season, playing next to Lillard versus when he was the only guy there. Um, and how him and Lillard work together, I don't really know. We haven't really seen much of that. It was him and CJ last season. So that's interesting. Oladipo um, doesn't look like he's going back to Miami. Now he's claiming he wants to take a short, lower money contract to rebuild his value, which I thought is exactly what he did last season. Obviously, the value didn't get rebuilt because, Vic, I'm sorry, you're just not going to be that guy again, I don't think. Can he be a valuable rotation player? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's ever going to be a 30-minute starting guy. And I would take off... If he's going to cost $6 million, yeah, you take a flyer on that for sure. But I don't think he's ever becoming that guy again. Malik Monk. The Lakers have some um, restrictions on what they can pay him. No bird rights, of course, but he'd have to slot into exceptions. I thought he was really strong for them last season. He'd be a good fit on a number of teams in the NBA. I'd look for him to have a pretty solid market. Detroit would be a really interesting one. They have absorbed, well, they have taken some of their cap space, but I don't think Malik Monk's going to cost $20 million. But if, he, if he's a $10, $12 million player, I think that's fine. The Thunder, they declined the team option for Lou Dort, so it makes him a restricted free agent. This is not a bad thing. This is not them saying they don't like Lou Dort. It's them saying, we want to make you a restricted free agent so we can sign you to a big contract now rather than risk him getting to unrestricted free agency next season. So they've got some matchability here if anyone wants to throw a big deal at him. They will sign him, I assume, to a big contract. But again, with Lou Dort, one of those ones that we must stress. Lou Dort has been putting up good numbers, but Lou Dort is not good in that sense. He can be a good defender, even though that dropped significantly last season. But when you talk about the Thunder core, Lou Dort is not your number two offensive player. He, he just isn't that guy. And one of those players who gets a little bit overrated, Never been a good fantasy guy really ever either. Um, gets a little bit overrated because of the situation he's been in. Is he worth 12 million, 13, 14, 15 million a year? Probably yes. 
He's still really young, and there is still upside. I don't think he's ever going to become a good offensive guy. He needs to transition into a Gary Harris sort of player, I think. And on the Thunder, he hasn't really been able to do that. Wes Matthews, also a free agent. But you look at all these shooting guards who are useful enough. More shooting guards. Damian Lee, rotationist sort of guy. Jalen Noel. I really like Jalen Noel's upside. I'd be taking flyers on him. He can run the point a little bit as well. San Antonio, you looking at this? Jalen Noel. Kent Bazemore, Lance Stevenson. I'm just bringing them up because they're names. I'm sure Lance Stevenson will come back to Indiana and annoy me. And then there's Amir Coffey, who showed quite a bit for the Clippers last season. I expect that they bring him back. Small forwards, it's nice at the top. Not that he really played a ton of small forward last year. Oh, he did towards the end of the year. Miles Bridges. The Hornets are claiming they'll match any offer. Should he get maxed? Let's let's get this straight with Miles Bridges. Is Miles Bridges worth the max? Probably not. But he's getting a guy at the age of 23 who just had a sub all-star year and paying that max money now. Is it worth it? Probably. Is he better than Jalen Brunson? I think so. And one thing I've talked about with the NBA salary cap a lot is the way it's set up hampers a lot of things. And you get players who are past their prime getting $50 million a year, and then people start hating on them because it impacts team building because of the, the limits on these guys. Whereas in essence, if you want to take a bet on a Miles Bridges, give him a five, four-year deal at age, I think he's 23 or 24, push him through his prime. That's when, if you think he's going to become good, you pay him $45 million now, right? You pay him for his prime. Rather than you pay him $25 million a year, he gets to age 30, 31, or whatever it is. And then you have to pay him $50 million a year, and it becomes a horrific contract. See Brad Beal, Damian Lillard, James Harden, even now, Russell Westbrook, John Wall. The, the list of names goes on and on and on. But signing Miles Bridges to a max contract now might not seem great, but his max at his age in two years' time, it might be unbelievable, unbelievable value. And I think he is better than Brunson. After him, uh, it's not very good. It's TJ Warren, who we haven't seen play in two years, cannot stay healthy, and he's a notoriously slow healer. He's probably also more of a four. But out of everyone else that's left, he might be the best option. I expect that he can get eight to 10 million, maybe mid-level exception money, maybe even taxpayer mid-level, which is like six, seven million because of the uncertainty with his injury. Nico Batum looks like he'll be back with the Clippers, three years, 30 million. Otto Porter, I don't think he'll be back with the Warriors because minutes for Kaminga and Peyton taking the mid-level, they don't have bird rights on Porter. He's a valuable player, but he's going to have to rest a lot. Kyle Anderson, I don't expect to be back in Memphis. And he's... Actually, Kyle Anderson is probably the second best player out of this group behind Bridges. And he's a useful bench piece, but you've got to know how to have the right guys around him. Then there's the two Martins, Cody and Caleb. Cody Martin was the better player up until probably this year where Caleb really started to take off in Miami. Remember, Charlotte cut him. Um, both guys, I think, are worthy of 10-plus million-dollar-a-year contracts as eighth or seventh men in rotations. They're not guys you build around. They're not guys you make plans around, but they're solid enough rotation guys. Daniel House, yeah, he started games for the Jazz. It's good defensively, but offensively, he's got some issues, but... He's not great. And then we get into a list of guys that just, yeah, honestly, two Bulls guys in Derek Jones Jr. and Troy Brown Jr. Defensive upside there, but offensively, they're just disasters. So really hard to play them. CJ Allaby, who showed a bit in Portland. I think they should look to bring him back. He's a restricted guy. And I don't think I'll ever get to do this again, 
because I'm not sure he's ever going to play in the NBA, but he is a restricted free... Oh, sorry, he's an unrestricted free agent. And I want to play this soundbite because it makes me laugh. It's Rocket Rodney Hood. Rocket, 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 we can't think. We can't think. Sorry, come, on, come on, come on, come on, come <laughs> on. So Rocket Rodney Hood's a free agent. Benny McLemore, remember? Big minutes on the Blazers last season. Not a guy you think will be a rotation player. Kevin Knox. Joe Ingles coming back off his ACL injury. I think he can have a role. He's not going to be Joe Ingles of two years ago. He wasn't Joe Ingles of two years ago before his ACL. And he won't be a fantasy relevant player. But as a rotation player on a playoff team, yeah, he's, he's solid. He's much better than Iguodala, who's also a free agent, who's solid at Igan. When he can play, he can provide value for about five minutes. But I, th- I think if Iguodala comes back, it'd probably be on a minimum deal with the Warriors, would be my guess. But I, he's got no real value anywhere else. Power forwards. It's, man, it's ugly. It's really ugly. Thad Young looks like he'll be back in Toronto. He didn't really do anything in Toronto last season. Um, He'll just play a 20-minute backup role, which is useful enough at times, but that's what he is. Marvin Bagley, the Pistons are apparently going to give him $10 million a year. I, 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 why? I don't know. Who are they bidding against? Who out there is going, right, I want to give Marvin... 10 plus. Nobody. Nobody. Now, could they start him and um, and Jalen Duran together? Well, let me rephrase that. Should they? No. Will they? Could they? Probably yes, unfortunately. With Bay at the three and then Ivy and Cade at the one and the two. Although, it is old mate Dwayne Casey, so watch for Alec Burks and Corey Joseph sliding in there. Um... I just, again, Troy Weaver does things when I go, that's great. And he does things like, what are you doing? Like, actually, what are you doing? PJ Tucker looks like he's going back to Philadelphia. Chris Boucher is a free agent. I think he'll be back in Toronto, but the, the fantasy Chris Boucher infatuation is surely dead. Punch Bob is declining his player option, but he'll be back in Milwaukee. And with fully healthy Brook Lopez, we assume that Portis's numbers will go down from where they were. He might still be a useful draftable guy just because uh, Lopez is aging, but he won't have exactly the same opportunity that he had. Carmelo Anthony, cool. Nemanja Bialica, Blake Griffin, and the other power forwards, Markeith Morris and Eric Paschal, the triangle. Remember Eric Paschal? Again, always context. He had that second half of that year for the Warriors where he's putting up great numbers and people were really, really getting in on that. Oh man, Eric Paschal, Eric Paschal. You have to look at context. When he was playing a season without Draymond, without Steph, without Clay, and nobody else, and every um, shot opportunity was basically going to him, and he was having these playmaking numbers, and you go, on a good team, this is never going to fly. And then they got players back, and he never played, and he went to Utah, and he never played, because he is not good. And we have to always, always pay attention to those sort of performances. As to, are we overrating them in general? Yes. And then centers. There's a ton of them. DeAndre Ayton, I don't... Apparently, he's gone from Phoenix, and there are plenty of teams maxing him. I don't know who they are, but plenty of teams are maxing. Detroit was maybe going to be an option. Charlotte, I don't think, would want him. Indiana's got cap space, but why? Orlando has cap space, but why? Do the Knicks bring him back if they miss out on Brunson? The Spurs have the space. Maybe the Spurs bring him in, but that doesn't help them tank or rebuild. Where does he go? Do they 
Like, what do they do? Portland just renounce Nurkic's cap hold and bring him in? I don't, I don't know where he got. Apparently, there are offers out there. I just can't really see it. The obvious ones were going to be Detroit, but that's not going to happen now. Um, and maybe Charlotte, but that's also not going to happen. So I don't know where he goes, but I'm pretty confident it's not going to be Phoenix. And I don't look at him and go, well, now he's going to blow up. I just don't think he is that good. He's solid, and he might, he probably will be able to improve his numbers from where he was in Phoenix the last two years. But to be a dominant force, I really doubt that. The table, Montrez Harrell. You know my opinions on him. He is strictly a backup. He is not very good. I don't know where he fits in the league. Um, and surely it should be on like a 20-minute-a-night role. And his time as a fantasy guy is done, I think. Jalen Smith. Showed a, showed a bit for Indiana. They might bring him back. But if they do, there's Turner and there's Isaiah Jackson. And there's still Goga Badadze there. So I don't know where he fits. But other teams should be having a look at him. He's, a, he's an interesting player. Kevon Looney, I think, will be back with the Warriors, 10 million plus. LaMarcus Aldridge, I doubt it. Um, Nick Claxton should be back with Brooklyn. Again, I would expect 10 million plus, but with the way their team's currently constructed, his upside is going to be limited, but I do expect that he goes there, he starts, and he plays close to 27 to 30 minutes and becomes a fantasy-relevant player, really, for the first time in his career. Yusuf Nurkic, do we do it? Do we do it? No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. The thing with Yusuf Nurkic is he's actually a really good player. And injuries and then lack of fitness and fit have derailed so much. It looks like he'll be back in Portland, but with Grant, Simons, Lillard. Look, where does he fit offensively? He's a good rebounder. He's a good finisher. He's a good passer, but he'll probably never have the ball. So I'm going to be down on him, I think, this season if he is back in Portland, which it appears that he will be. And then the tank. Tom Bryant. Another one of those guys that had that season. You go, hey, look at these numbers. You go, well, what's the context around it? He's a horrible defender and he's not a player you want to build around. Because he can't defend. He's putting up these numbers, which look good from a counting stats perspective, but they're not really winning numbers. And we saw that already, how he's been marginalized already. Will he be back in Washington to be a backup center there behind Porzingis and Gafford? Maybe, but I doubt it. He's like a third stringer. Um, but as a backup center somewhere around the league, maybe he backs up, say, like a Wendell Carter in, in Orlando. That's a possibility. And t- talking about Orlando, let's talk about a former Orlando player and Serge Ibaka. I think minimum salaries for him now with the back that looks cooked. Mo Bamba doesn't look... Well, he's not going to be back in Orlando, would be my guess. They took away his qualifying offer. He's unrestricted. There's some talk of him going to Houston as a backup. Remember, Mo Bamba, 23 minutes a night is probably fantasy relevant. Mo Bamba, 23 minutes a night, probably means your team's not relevant, but it means he's fantasy relevant. But I don't think he will ever have the opportunity or the minutes that he had last season in Orlando. I just don't think that's going to happen. Chicago could look for Bamba to play behind Vooch. That, that's an upgrade on Tristan Thompson. And those blocks can really be valuable. JaVale McGee, he was useful last season. He's a really strong backup center who can put up numbers when he has to start. And then... Um, Robin Lopez, who I think still has some utility, not for fantasy, obviously. Gorgie Jeng, yeah, I think he's cooked. Andre Drummond, the big avocado. I think he'll be back in Philadelphia, maybe, as Joel Embiid's backup. He had some good numbers, but remember, we do not want to draft Andre Drummond. We don't want to draft him as a backup. Hassan Whiteside. The Finally, at age 32... He realized what he needs to do. 
And he was, I thought, pretty good last season. And Utah should look to bring him back. I don't know that he gets offers that are over the minimum, but he's a solid backup center at this point. Isaiah Hartenstein's better than that, but it looks like he's going to be squeezed out of LA because they've just re-signed Ivitz Zubats and they're going to bring John Wall in. But unless he comes back on another minimum deal with a wink, wink, nod, nod, hey, look what we did for Nico Batum, paying him three years, $30 million, just play, pay the minimum for one more year and then we'll get you in for a bigger contract. He's going to have a market that is way bigger. And he could earn $2 million this year, or whatever it is, 1.7, 1.9 as his minimum for the Clippers. Or another team, hopefully it would be someone like Chicago, but they're too cheap to do it. It would say, actually, you're really good in a backup center. Let's give you three years, 30. Which he would be pretty dumb to reject from a money perspective. But I don't know that teams do it. That's what he's worth. He's actually really good. And I think Isaiah Hartenstein is a starting caliber NBA center. And I think he's one of the best backup centers in the NBA and should be getting a role. And then there's still more centers to look at because Mitch Robinson. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. It looks like he'll be back with the Knicks, but what if the Knicks miss on Jalen Brunson and they use that cap space for DeAndre Aiden? Then Robinson's cooked. Robinson, a guy that I would be okay with a last round pick in fantasy, depending on where he goes, but just can't rely upon him. But the thing is, if he goes anywhere that's not the Knicks, you know that his usage will be higher than 9% because the Knicks offense is a disaster. He can still be useful. Damian Jones went from disaster to useful player last season. He's an interesting backup center. Tristan Thompson should not be in the mix anywhere. He's not good anymore. DeMarcus Cousins. Tristan Thompson only good at laying pipe, apparently. The new plumber, Plumber 2.0. Demarcus Cousins, I thought he was pretty strong and he should come back to Denver as a backup center. That's where he sits. DeAndre Jordan, whatever the opposite of good is, that's DeAndre Jordan and he should not be on an NBA roster. Dwight Howard, serviceable backup center. But look look at these lists, like how many serviceable backup centers there are. It's why you don't invest gigantic capital in centers. Even though some of these guys could pass as starters. You don't invest big capital in centers usually because of this. Bismack Biombo. Didn't play for a year. Came in and was really good. Probably should find a backup role somewhere. Maybe he just becomes... Who's the starting center in Phoenix, by the way, with Aiden gone? Is it Bismarck Biombo? Who's starting for them? Do they bring back Jalen Smith? I, what do they do? That's a huge question. There's a big, big opportunity there. The Suns, they should pay Isaiah Hartenstein to come in and be their center. Hmm. And then Moses Brown. The Cavs, they didn't offer him a qualifying offer. He's unrestricted. Remember, Moses Brown, like so many guys we've talked about here, put up stats in a situation that enabled him to put up stats, but he's not a good player. And he's not someone that anyone should be banking on long-term. We'll see if he finds another home, but I don't think he's very good. And that goes through the top 70, 60 free agents, talking about all the trades that were done. Let me know what you thought about the Knicks and the Pistons trade, the Wizards and the Nuggets, the Hawks and the Spurs, all these free agents. Drop it in the comments below and follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, you know what to do. Thumb it up. Guys, we're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.